Hey there, Adam here. Thanks for tuning in. Just a quick message for business owners that may be struggling with what to post on their social media. We know that social media can either be integral to your overall marketing strategy or the bane of your entire existence. We have a 90-minute workshop where we provide a repeatable framework to plan out your monthly posting calendar with fresh, relevant, engaging posts designed to attract and segment new customers and clients. No more anxiety about what to post and when. No more settling for cat memes or other nonsense that may get you engagement, but no actual business or even worse, letting your social media lie dormant. I will teach you the exact process that we use at Digital Sandwich to plan out an entire month. Actually, more than that. Interested? Head over to eat.digitalsandwich.agency forward slash social workshop. And we're live. Hey, Adam. <laughs> hey, what's up, Emily? How you doing? So good to see you. Good, good, good. This is this is the first podcast, and for for you, and you're very excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time, and uh, it's I've been wanting to make one or participate in one. So you've given me a great reason to to dive into the world of podcasts today. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thanks everyone for tuning into the Secret Ingredient Livecast from Digital Sandwich, where we believe that everyone has a story behind the story. And that is where the secret ingredient lives. Unleashing that secret ingredient through a combination of personalized custom content, social media, and paid advertising is the best way to build relationships that you need to grow your business. Today, I am joined by Mrs. Emily Knight. Emily is an entrepreneurship educator with 14 years of experience creating entrepreneurship programs for high school and middle school students. Ms. Knight specializes in entrepreneurship programs that incorporate partnerships with businesses in the community, mentorships, and student-created companies. Currently, she is doing something big, like big, 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 big. Um, I'm not going to explain it and steal her thunder because it's her baby to explain, but I will say this. The intent of this current project that she's currently underway with uh, is to impact the changing needs and the future of workforce. I said it was big. Just a side note, her first business was selling seashells to tourists on Florida's Gulf Coast. So I'm ready for this one. Emily, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Adam. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Absolutely. So t let's uh, let's start with what you are doing. What What's this... What's this deal we got going on? Yeah, so um, it's crazy, this opportunity that I have here. It's um, it's kind of been, I think, in reality, like my entire life has built up to what we're doing right now. And I've created a program called Entrepreneur. And what it is, is a two-year immersive entrepreneurship program for students in high school that are interested in learning on, about how to really create their own business. And while there's entrepreneurship education in high school all over the place, there's so many pockets of excellence. There really isn't like a full immersive pathway for students to really get everything they need to start their own businesses. Right. I think schools are doing a really great job of preparing kids for college and preparing kids to enroll in the military and preparing kids to even enter employment. But we've been kind of lacking this whole concept of what happens if a kid doesn't fit any of those three pathways? Like, Where do they go? And what do they do? And how do we really capture a kid's um, entrepreneurial 
mindset because they're all entrepreneurial. Like if you talk to any young student, they have ideas. They have all these amazing ideas. And somewhere along the lines, like we kind of in public education, at least push them into channels that doesn't, that doesn't really empower that. It kind of makes them feel like those ideas aren't really valid. So what we've created is a two-year immersive um, entrepreneurship program called Entrepreneur that will be for juniors and seniors in the Sixth District Educational Compact. And the Sixth District Educational Compact is a group of um, six era high schools, school districts that combine together to offer what's called career and technical education. And you and maybe some of your listeners might remember that as like what vocational school used to be. So um, it's where kids can go to learn skills and trades, but career and technical education in the last 20 years has evolved so much. Um, there's career and technical education programs now in biomedical engineering and graphic design and aeronautics and um, now entrepreneurship, where kids are learning a specific pathway that then they can enter into the workforce, or most of them now have college credits aligned with them. So they're going on to college and getting experiences to help further their education. So, oh, that's uh, yeah. So vocational education has really changed in the last. Right. Since my teaching career has started, it's evolved so very much. So my program will be part of that. So I'll have students from all six different high schools, and that includes Talmadge, Hudson, um, uh, Stone Monroe Falls, Kent, Woodridge, and Cuyahoga Falls. Students will come um, to the class. And for two years, they'll be learning half their day with me on how to build their own business. So not just build their business, but really focus on how to build their entrepreneurial mindset and skill set. And we're going to take kids with little ideas and we're going to help them see that little idea into making it something bigger and something successful and repeatable. So um, it's really it's really cool. This will be um, starting in August. So the, the pilot program will launch here coming up in just a few weeks. But what's amazing about it and what is I'm so excited is that the Burton Morgan Foundation, which is in Northeast Ohio, an amazing resource for financial support for K through 12 education, okay. has, um, support, has jumped on board to support this program with a huge investment that will allow the curriculum that I've written for this program to be shared out on a website in the end of 2022 for other teachers around the world to use it. So all this um, effort that I'm putting into making this curriculum will ultimately be able to be taking place in classrooms throughout the country, which is so, it's it's so awesome. Oh, wow. So this ends up not even being just local. It it really, this this can go across the country. Yeah, hopefully that is the plan. We. Um, the pilot program that will start in March with the first group of students, they will um, uh, will work out, <laughs> they're going to be our guinea pigs. We're going to work out the kinks of the curriculum that's written now on them. Well, and what then, a great year to guinea pig. It's <laughs> as well guinea pig this year. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah. So, yeah, it'll, in 2022, with the support of the Burton Morgan Foundation, any teacher anywhere will be able to access the curriculum that I'm writing for free. So if you're sitting in a classroom in Canton or you're sitting in a classroom in California, 
um, a teacher can pull this curriculum and they could use it to create their own standalone entrepreneurship program. Or what's really awesome about it is there's also a piece that teachers can use if they don't have the time to use a full entrepreneurship course. Um, there's going to be um, 10 kind of modules or for lack of a better word, lessons that mm-hmm. you can do with students that would give them enough to help kickstart them. So there's a, there's two options. Teachers can do the full in program or they can do enough to help supplement other things that they might might be doing. Gotcha. So, so yeah. there's a ton to unpack here. And so I'll, I'm going to kind of start in the middle, maybe, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so it, it's fascinating to me as an educator that that it, it almost to some folks may seem counterintuitive that that education and entrepreneurship going hand in hand, right? So it's almost entrepreneurship might be the alternative to education mm-hmm. rather than rather than go to school and do the things that I'm told to do. Uh, I'm just going to go start a cake business or I'm going to go start. I'm going to learn a skill. I'm going to learn a trade right. usually. And then I'm going to go be my own boss. Um, where did the idea come from that, that we can align these two things? We do a real good job of teaching people how to do stuff, but maybe not how to do the big stuff. Yeah. Well, that's an awesome question. And a couple things, like like I said when I started, I feel like my entire career has led to this. Actually, I mean, I could go back to my childhood and why I think this started um, somewhere way back then. But one thing we know, we know right now for sure, is that what the workforce is going to need in the future is really different. And um you know, we used to look at the future as like, what's going to happen in the next 10 years? What changes are going to happen in the workforce? And we knew that kids are going to have to be more entrepreneurial. Even if you go into college and you enter into a profession that's what we might think is the opposite of entrepreneurial, like let's say the medical profession. Sure. You want to become a physician or you want to become a nursing assistant or a dental hygienist or something. Um, that's kind of typically seen as like the anti-entrepreneurial career path. But in reality, we know that within the next decade, most most people are going to be working for themselves in some capacity. The reality of kids going into companies and working 40 hours a week and having a job with benefits and salaries, that's not happening. It's not happening anymore. And the pandemic, I think, has escalated the pace of that incredibly, because now we're going to see everybody's going to have a different style of working and we're not really addressing that entrepreneurial mindset has to happen no matter what path you're going to take the entrepreneurial mindset needs to be there whether you're actually going to create a small business or you're going to go work for someone else the skills of entrepreneurship are the skills of life at this point you need to have them Right. Absolutely. You you know, I I think that I think you're touching on something as well. This this generation is not going to do that. The 40 hour work week, the 40 hour or the 40 years at one job. They're just not going to do it. Let alone those jobs aren't they they don't really exist so much anymore. Mm -hmm. No factory. You know, no one's retiring after 40 years, 40 years from now. That just isn't going to happen. So the the generation isn't going to stand for it. And, you know, something else happened during this pandemic that you bring up 
that I, I think is very interesting. And it's a clue that, that you're absolutely right. And that is that the 1099, the gig employee, was recognized in a stimulus package. That's never happened before. Yeah. Uh, to, to my knowledge, I don't think it has. But yeah. that was a big part of it. And aren't we sort of going back to our roots? Isn't that what we did in the 1800s and 1900s? We kind of worked for ourselves in some way. Shape yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I'm really fortunate to have taught so many awesome kids in the last well, this will be my 15th year teaching. So for 14 years, I've just gathered this really cool group of alumni that I've taught. And, you know, a lot of them, they're not just working one job or maybe they are. But then on the side, they're writing blog or they're driving for Uber, or they're, you know, they're doing something else that requires them to have some basic knowledge of business. Um, so that's really uh, where the program started in in like the practical sense here of like why why we need to do this right now today in our local area and then make it available um, for a platform. Now, there's a lot of entrepreneurship curriculum out there. Let me tell you, like I've seen a lot. Um, when I first started teaching, entrepreneurship curriculum didn't exist. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. There was no textbooks. Not that I'm a huge fan of textbooks, but there wasn't even a textbook really at that time. So, oh yeah, when I started teaching, like I just started teaching in 2006 and that was really at the time when like in education, data and standardized testing and common core curriculum was becoming like, that was the powerhouse of education at that time. So it was kind of the anti-entrepreneurship education. It was getting every kid to learn, you know, in a very standardized way. So when I first started teaching, I didn't have any resources. And I, as you know, as time has gone on, there's been some amazing players in the game. I've seen a lot of great entrepreneurship um, programs sprout up and so many resources have grown in an amazing way. But what I've noticed about them is they're all focused on the business plan, which is, I don't want anyone listening to think that that's not critically important. It is. But what we know is that what's probably more important than the business plan is being able to help a student understand two things. One is how to meet the right people and connect with the right people mm -hmm. to help your business idea become something or to know if your business idea isn't something. So we have built this entire program on this amazing network of entrepreneurs um, from this area, from the Northeast Ohio area. Um, so when kids graduate from my program, they're going to have upwards of 100 entrepreneurs in a network that can support them. And that is what's missing a lot from other entrepreneurship programs that you can purchase is that there's just not that personal connection piece that really is fundamental to any business succeeding. You know, people go into business because they like doing something. Like if I bake cakes, I like to bake cakes. I want to make beautiful cakes, right? Um, not necessarily run a business. Right. So um, you've got to know how to get people to help you and how to network yourself. So that's one key component. And the other is what we're calling these power skills. And, you know, we used to call them maybe soft skills. We call them 21st century skills. But it's so much more than that. Students really need to be able to, to identify some important stuff. Like, how, how do you communicate? And how does that 
communication style work with others who communicate differently than you? And how do you really intensely solve a problem and persist through challenges? And how do you how do you speak appropriately? And how do you how do you present yourself in a way that is gonna help your business and your industry propel itself forward? So this whole entire curriculum has been built on those two pillars: one of networking and, and mentorship, and then these power skills and and the idea that we're gonna take their mindset, the entrepreneurial mindset and skill set, and we're gonna like clay molded into um, the best version that kid can have when they graduate from the program. Well, you're so right about children sort of all kind of starting out as entrepreneurial. You can't tell them no. Like yeah. it, they're going to figure out some way to do whatever it is that they're trying to do. And then yeah. I think we kind of ruin them. And I don't mean educators mm -hmm. and I don't mean parents. I mean, society in general we kind of say, no, you need to conform. You need to go this way. This is the path. And we kind of channel them inadvertently killing their creativity and, and their, their interest in doing these, these other things that they used to be, you know, when you're three years old and I want to go to the grocery store, I want to dress like a pirate. Is right. that, can I be a pirate today? Sure. No problem. Yeah. But somewhere but, that dies. Yeah, it does. And um, I think it's just because entrepreneurship has been kind of um a risky term, right? Like you, if you have a high school student that comes to you and says, Hey mom, I want to start my own business. Like I'm sure as a parent you kind of panic a little bit because they haven't been trained for that. There's been no support for that. Like it's not safe. You kind of, as an adult know, like there's so many, there's so many potholes you can fall into here. And, and that usually might involve your own money, you know? So um, I think parents and education has really like, we've channeled kids into college and careers and military and all of those things, which are wonderful, amazing opportunity. Like I went to college and took a traditional path, you know, like I have nothing against it. I just think that there's a lot of kids out there who don't fit. They don't fit into that mold and they are filled with amazing ideas. And I've, in my career, I've seen, um, quite a few. I, you, what you asked me how this thing started and yeah. Honestly, it started because um, of really two important people. One is my brother. Um, my brother's name is Adam Kilgore. He owns um, a company called Alaire Homes, which is a custom home builder in Cuyahoga Falls. Um, and when we were kids, like my whole family's entrepreneurial. At some point in like my every member of my family has owned some kind of business in my in my life. But my brother was one of those kids who like he would. Um, struggle in school and not um, not because he wasn't smart. I mean, he's probably one of the smartest people I know, but he didn't, he just didn't want to learn in the way that school forced him to learn, you know? And um, back in the eighties and nineties, there was no care if you didn't want to learn a certain way. Like nobody, you, nobody cared about that. Like you were expected to conform right? And, uh, and he didn't. So, you know, when we were kids, my parents never had the opportunity to go to college and they wanted that for us and they made that possible for us. So we did. We went to college, but he, his first year of college, he hated it and he dropped out and he wanted to build things. And he's always been like the type of person who wanted to build things for other people and make other people's lives better. And he was doing that at a really young age. So I watched him as an adult struggle with like grappling with how to take his skill in building things. And his, he has had the entrepreneurial mindset of wanting to do, work for himself and wanting to make his life better and own his own destiny. 
but he didn't know how to like actually physically make that happen from a business perspective. And, and he did, I mean, he toiled and he toiled and he toiled and away at it. And it's been successful for him. I mean, right now, Very. You know, 20 years later, he's an incredibly successful entrepreneur. Right. But if he had had something like that in high school, like think of, you know, we talk of him and I talk about this all the time. Like think about all the mistakes he could have avoided. Think about all the risks that he could have minimized. You know, if he had just had a place that said like your ideas are valid and here's what, here's people to help you and here's tools you need to make this possible. So, um, you know, he, this program's built um, with him in mind and he's a huge sounding board for me and, you know, a big supporter of the program, but he's one of the reasons that, you know, this program exists. And another important person is a student of mine. I used to teach at Coggle Falls High School. I taught a marketing program for nine years there. And um, I, don't my know I, I met you at Woodridge through JA. Um, I, I don't think I even knew that you were at Coyote Falls. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've just done my tour of Coggle Falls school districts as a teacher, <laughs> as an educator. <laughs> Yeah, I started out my career at Cuyahoga Falls High School. I was um, the marketing teacher there from 2006 until 2015. And then um, I went over to Woodridge High School or Woodridge. I started at Woodridge Middle School in 2015. Yeah. So when I was teaching marketing, um, it was a really amazing program where I was able to do just some incredible stuff with students and, and help them build businesses on their, you know, as a class and do this. I will always look back on it as like one of the most incredible experiences of my life was teaching there of those kids. But I had a kid named Zach and he was just like my brother. He was super motivated. He didn't fit in in the like typical school environment, you know, incredibly hardworking and motivated. And he right. had, you know, as a 16 year old, he had a lawnmower. <laughs> he would push that lawnmower all over his neighborhood and mow people's grass. Oh, yeah, like every kid's done that, right? Like every kid has a like little way to make money, but Zach was like, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna do something with this, you know? So he um, bought, he saved up enough money to buy a truck and then it, it opened up his world of like what clients he could have because then he could drive other places and he quickly got really good at, at um, getting clients. So, you know, I he graduated with me in 2000, I think 2013. Now he has a huge landscaping company, huge. He owns like tons of equipment. He's got a whole staff of people. He does, you know, commercial landscaping, residential landscaping, all types of stuff. And he's taken his money and just reinvested it in the community. He buys um, properties, he fixes them up and rents them out. So now he's now he's a landlord and has, you know, grown money from invest, investing in property in this community. and. You know, that kid all along, like he, he'll come sit at my kitchen table and be like, Miss Knight, how do I do this with my taxes? Like, how do I write this off with um, this new equipment I want to buy? And, you know, over the years, I've just like sat at my kitchen table with this kid and helped him piece together his business. And as I've been doing it, I'm like, why are we not teaching them this? Like, where where is this missing? And how can we make something that's practical for kids like Zach and, you know, people like my brother? who don't have to toil and search for this information on their own. So that's where the, it's not just the struggle. Of the you th I think you almost feel like you're weird or there's something wrong with you because you're not able to function the way that you're told to function. And yeah. you, you're, you know, you're not a good employee. 
uh, you're definitely not a good employee, right? Because right. unless you're totally allowed to take ownership of whatever it is that you're doing, but it's it's probably likely you're you're not a good employee. You're not taking direction very well because you have your own thoughts, your own ideas of how you think that this this should be done. Sure. But and the the you're absolutely right about this this problem of very often the entrepreneur knows how to do the thing, but they don't know how to to do the business of the business. Right. They don't have to do the thing. I can bake the cake, but I have no idea how to do payroll, taxes, sell the cake, find mm-hmm. people to buy the cake, uh, get employees to make the cake the way I would make the cake. I, yep. we, we, we have no idea how to do that. Right. And that's where the education piece comes in. How, do you, how did you create the curriculum? So as an educator, you mentioned earlier that there's like a 100 – uh, business owners or other entrepreneurs that are involved in this thing somehow. Yeah. And you're the educator sort of running the show, directing traffic. Tell me how this curriculum came together, because that's really sort of the secret sauce here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That it's not just the book and the text and the here, do these things. They philosophically make sense. You actually source this from people that have been there and done that, right? Yeah. So, um, Again, it's kind of a long story, but when I started teaching, I didn't have a teaching degree. Like I never went to school to be a teacher. So I actually had a degree in marketing and um, I was working at an organization called Junior Achievement, which is a nonprofit organization that puts economic education programs into schools with a a community volunteer. And I know, Adam, you're pretty familiar with that because you volunteered in my classroom one time through J. That's how we work. Yeah. So in a different life, like you know, years ago, I was working there and working really closely with the Chicago Falls City Schools in, um, you know, in their, with their marketing teacher at the time. And him and I had become friends. And when um, he left to go to a different school district, I actually got a phone call from the human resource director at Chicago Falls School District at the time. And she said, um, our marketing teacher that is leaving recommended you for this position would you like to come in and, and talk about teaching marketing? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I think I said to her, like, I think you might have the wrong person because I'm not a teacher. Like you made a mistake. And, um, and I learned that you can actually start teaching in career and technical education. If you're in industry, if you're in the industry of the program, you can come and start teaching and then you can get what's called a, te- a provisional teaching license. Interesting. You begin teaching and then you go back to school to get your teaching degree. So at the time I was kind of restless in my job and I was like, you know, I was 25 and I was like, you know, when you're 25, like anything is still possible. And I was like, sure, I'll quit my job and try. I can try that for a year. Like, what's the worst that could happen? I hate it. And I'll, I'll quit. You know, I'll go find a new job because I'm 25. And that's what you think when you're 25. Right. Um, so I did it. I quit my job within a within a week. I went on seven job interviews with for that job. Like I interviewed, I swear, interviewed with the custodian. Like I, it was like everybody interviewed me. And within a week, I had quit my job, accepted this teaching job, and enrolled at Kent State to get my um, teaching degree at uh, my provisional teaching license. So. Um, it was a crazy year. Like I just started teaching. I walked into a classroom. Adam with nothing. I had nothing. I had nothing. I didn't know how to teach. I had no curriculum resources. I was handed this book of like, 
curriculum standards that I was expected to like, kids were expected to learn. And then they were like, good luck, you know, good luck. First staff meeting is in a week. So no, I you developed teacher voice very quickly, apparently, because you, you, you picked it up, uh, I'd say pretty quick. Yeah, I don't know. The first year, the first year of that job was the hardest year of my life because I didn't know anything. And, and, and very fortunately, I had an amazing teacher who team taught a class with me. Really? Oh, yeah. His name is Craig Wargowski. He's a, he actually took over my job at Falls when I left. He's the marketing teacher there now. But he at the time, he was the art teacher. And we team taught a graphic design class together. And he was such a blessing because he was, you know, he was a veteran teacher and he, you know, he saved my life. <laughs> he saved my life and convinced me from quitting halfway through the first year. But um, anyway, we figured it out together. And what I what I am grateful for is that I didn't know how to teach. I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know how to make an assessment. I didn't know how to find curriculum. What I knew was what I was good at, which I knew how to make things happen. I knew how to execute projects. I knew how to like persist through problems. And I didn't know those were my skills. I couldn't have told you that in 2006. Right. I had a lot of self-doubt at that time that I was even doing the right thing. But I would start trying to teach with a textbook and kids would shut off. Like they would just wall off and I was like, okay, this isn't working. So we just started running student, student companies. Like we just I just let them start making companies. Like we we started we did all these little things where they started selling small stuff and then it became bigger stuff and it became bigger stuff and bigger stuff. Um, so that's what I knew how to do. And and I just have been doing it without any curriculum at all for my entire career. So when this came about, I'm like, well, we can take what I've been doing. I can take what I've been doing and turn that into something that's actually usable for other teachers. So that's where it started. And then when the foundation got involved with their investment, I knew what what was lacking in my abilities was, um, you know, I needed to pull in experts from all the areas of entrepreneurship. I can't do this in a can alone, you know. So we started the process of gathering together all these entrepreneurs from this area um, you're included, you know, you're one of them um, that is going to take part in the program by coming in and teaching alongside of me. So everybody, um, everybody who has gotten on board is coming on board as a mentor to one of the students, or they're going to be part of a guest speaker series. So when we get to the point where we're teaching um, like feasibility of your business, we're having a person that comes in and they're going to teach that time. They're going to work with the students and and they're going to be doing all of the work on that area of, of entrepreneurship where they're the experts. Yeah, it's so neat. It's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Well, and then, you know, there's been a couple stages to this, too. There was a, you know, there was a, been several meetings where the entrepreneurs were just kind of throwing out what they wished that they had known at the beginning. And then, that was all going on. It looked like if you've ever been in my office, there's just these giant post-it notes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like beautiful mind in here, except I'm I'm not there's nothing beautiful about my mind. There's there's all <laughs> sorts of post-it notes everywhere. And that was sort of what was going on in those rooms as well, as they were just kind of jotting these things down. And then you guys all made sense of that somehow and then created these these modules or these lessons. Yeah, so what the official process was, was we um, 
I kind of knew what I knew and I kind of had a sense of direction. But what we needed was validation from the people who are entrepreneurs to know that this is what actually needs to happen in a program like this. So mm. we put together two uh, focus groups of entrepreneurs and, and we, we sat them in a room and we asked them basically what we asked them in a, in a really like formal way was if you had had this program when you were 16, 17, 18 years old, what would you have liked to have gotten out of that? Like what, what could you have learned then that would have helped you on your path um, up until this point? So what we, what we were really able to pull out of that was, was the concepts that um, people need a network. They have to have mentorship and they have to have a network of people to help them. That is so critical. Whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you have to have a network of people. And most kids come out of high school and they don't have that, not in any formal way. Second, they have to have this higher ability of, of what we're now calling the power skills to capitalize on their person, on their personality, on their communication styles, on their leadership abilities, and how to really focus on that. So um, that's what we were able to pull out of the focus groups from all the entrepreneurs that we worked with. Is that's the critical thing. The business plan falls into place. You can get that figured out. The other so, part that you need to do. The that second piece about the power skills. It's mm -hmm. not just identifying. So it's not just knowing what power skills are, it's also helping them identify what they have and yeah. don't have so that they can play to them. Exactly. So that they can use them. Right. I, I, okay. I, I think that's it just needed to be reiterated. That's a huge, huge thing. I think one thing that kids want to know when they're 16, 17 is I'm actually going to use this someday. Like this thing that I'm doing. And that's why you were so successful your first year without knowing what you were doing. You know, yeah. that's an interesting way of putting it. By not knowing what you were doing, you knew what you were doing, which was showing kids things that were actually, I, I guess that's what, experiential learning, where you, you're actually kind of putting them in in real case scenarios. Why am I doing this word problem? I am never going to use this in my life. Get me out of here. Or, hey, we're going to open up an Oreo store. That's right. a much different feeling. It's different. You know, it's two sides of the educational coin. Like you, you've got to learn how to do the equation. That's important. You've got to learn the equations and you've got to learn the writing skills. You've got to learn that stuff. But the other side is then you have to take that and you then have to learn who you are, mm -hmm. who you are, what your skill sets are. And then your take your idea and be able to analyze your idea and say either this idea is awesome and I need help to grow it or this idea sucks and I need to scrap it and start over. You know, those and that's are okay too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's okay too. It's not a bad that's fine. Yeah. Being able to identify a bad idea is huge. You're not a moron. You're good. Have that <laughs> idea too. It's fine. Yeah. Well, same, you know, a common theme that came up in those focus groups was just helping students understand that failure is such a normal and natural part of entrepreneurship. Like, you know, you're not going to get it right the first time. You might not get it right the 10th no. time, but but no. the ability to persist through that is is what gets you out of it and into success. And that's where, like, you see my brother, um, you know, he had to fail to fail ethically many times to get to where he is now so that's kind of something that we're weaving into the um program too is like 
kind of intentional designed failure because you got to you're going to experience yeah. it you absolutely are you're permission to fail and you may actually find where you're supposed to be going in the middle of that failure you, you know you think of like a like an apple with the with their iPods or whatever that actually now turns into the phone right so the iPods are gone that's not really a yeah. thing anymore but that sort of morphed into this this smartphone that you know we never we talk about chips we don't need chips i carry my chip with me everywhere i go right. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's um I don't know. I'm just so lucky that like every single day I get to do what I do for a living. Like it's the best of both worlds. Like I get, um, I get to teach, but I get to create something that I really am passionately, passionately um, invested in. And I know that other people in 2022, I get a little nervous and excited that like, this is going to be shown to the entire world, (laughs) shown to the entire world. So, you know, for the first time, like, People can really see the things that I've done in my classroom that have made what I think me become a successful teacher. Other people can see it and try it out. So it's it's kind of nerve wracking, you know, if you think about it, like not many people get to open themselves up to the, you know, for, for everybody to see like that. No, you're right. It's a tremendous opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you you said that whenever you brought in the the different entrepreneurs, all they were doing really was validating what you already knew. So if you think about it that way, you've already succeeded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you, there's already proof of concept. You've already succeeded. So don't well, be nervous. It, yeah, you're, you're just thing, fine. This whole thing, you know, it hasn't happened just because of me. Like I have, um, I have been empowered and supported so greatly by the administrators that I've worked for, both at Cuyahoga Falls and at Woodridge. Um, especially at Woodridge, you know, the superintendent there, as well as the director of the Sixth District Compact, they have been incredibly supportive of this program. They're visionary in the sense that they see that there is a need here and have empowered us to go ahead and go down this road. And that's not an easy thing for an administrator to do. You know, I, I recognize right. that. So we, I have been really fortunate to work in the places that I have. Like we have some of the best school districts I think around here in Cabo Falls and Woodridge with the leadership that we have. It's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. And also what's cool about this program is um, I've, I've sat with, I, I've lost count Adam to tell you the truth of how many entrepreneurs I have met with. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm maybe past a hundred at this point who I have talked to and, and have somehow asked to be involved in this program. And I've only been told no twice. Like every entrepreneur that I've talked to has said yes in some capacity. Like I support this program and want to help out and have gotten involved as, you know, mentors or, or area of expertise guests or mm-hmm. just supporting us in some way. Um, only two people have said no. So that has been the best part of creating this program is I get to sit and I get to hear amazing stories about how people got to where they are and that have created their businesses. But then they turn around and, and in like typical entrepreneur fashion and become these altruistic people that are like, yes, I want to help. I want to help right. the next generation. And, you know, they're not getting it. No one's paying them to do it. They're not getting anything out of it necessarily other than they just want they can see themselves in those young kids. And they want to help. You know, so well, that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
We also um, have an awesome partnership with the city of Cuyahoga Falls. So um, I'm a Cuyahoga Falls girl. I lived here my entire life. I grew up on, on Roosevelt Avenue between 6th and 7th <laughs> Street, right by uh, Cuyahoga Falls High School. And, um, you know, every Friday night you could hear the football games and right. marching band. And, you know, that's I, I went to Newberry Elementary School and Bullock Middle School and Cuyahoga Falls High School. <laughs> and then went back to teach at Cuyahoga Falls High School. Um, so I've grown up in this city. And when I was a kid, um, Cuyahoga Falls was an amazing place to grow up. It's a place you want every kid to grow up, right? Like it's safe, it's comfortable. There's amazing community resources. And it was just, it's an awesome town. And then, you know, right around high school or college, we went through this like kind of, I don't know, it's like everybody got this mindset that you had to leave here. Like to find a, to find a life you wanted, you needed to leave. And I watched my high school friends flock away from here. They all left. And I stayed because I don't know, I've just loved, I've always loved it here. And I, I knew that this is the place I wanted to be. I have a close family, so I wanted to be near them. Right. So I stayed. And in these last, I don't want to say like five or 10 years, Cup Falls has completely transformed itself. And I think it's totally great. It's, it's amazing. Like, um, not that it was ever bad, but there just was never anything here to do. Like, it just wasn't a town to like, it wasn't a hopping place to be. Right. So, um, you know, when Cuyahoga, safe, when, safe isn't necessarily exciting. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, right. But we uh, went through that transformation these past few years where, you know, downtown opened up again and, and people started seeing Cuyahoga Falls as a place to invest in their invest their business and, right. and bring, th you know, amazing things to do and, and create awesome festivals and, you know, events that happen. And um, the city has just been an incredibly supportive partner of this program. When I first started working on this, I would have these meetings with the city to see, you know, what they could do. And they came on board as a huge sponsor. They're um, actually renovating a building for us so that this class takes place in downtown Cuyahoga Falls. That is amazing that that's happening. I, I absolutely love that because it, well, it's right in the middle of everything. You know, it just it just makes so much sense that that's what they're doing. I, I yeah. love that. Yeah, well, Mayor Walters has, you know, he's had he has a shared vision, just like mm -hmm. with me and, and and the leadership of Woodard Schools that, you know, keeping kids here is good for everyone, right? Like investing in their ideas and investing in their development keeps them in Cuyahoga Falls. And that is a shared vision for everyone. You know, we don't want them to leave. We want them to take their awesome ideas and keep them here. Right. So the, the city of Cuyahoga Falls downtown has a pavilion building. If, if your listeners aren't familiar with it, it's like a big building right there next to the amphitheater. Yeah. And they rent yeah. that space out for events and hold community meetings there. The downstairs of that building um, has kind of been unused space for years. It was created as a green room when the um, amphitheater was built for people to use for like a, a dressing room and stuff. And it's really just been, I don't know, nobody ever used it. So when we started looking down downtown, like where could we put this program so kids are within walking distance of the economic development and the entrepreneurs that are down there? Where can we put this program? And the city is like, well, let's use this space down here. Let's renovate it. Let's get rid of all this old, you know, green room business and make it a community. It's so cool. Yeah, I was there last week. Um, the director of, director of Park and Recreation, Sarah Klein, is mm -hmm. 
she's <laughs> she's such a patient and wonderful person to work with. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit of a type A person, so overseeing a renovation and really from a distance <laughs> from a distance has been hard for me. I'm always emailing her like Sarah, is it, is it done yet? Is it done yet? <laughs> um, but May I come there? Can I see it? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they are um, they're in the process of finishing up that space now. So the kids will be every day. They're not meeting. They're not going to be hidden in the back of a high school. They're going to be, you know, right in the middle of downtown, which will put us, you know, within walking distance of so many of the awesome partners of this project. Well, and doesn't it doesn't that add to the whole experience of everything? They're not sitting in a classroom. They're not on a campus somewhere. They're literally in the middle of commerce going on. And, and I think that that's so, you know, it's just environment means something. And, and the fact that that was noticed and acknowledged and then addressed is really cool. I'm lucky enough that I get to, I get to see the mayor uh, on occasion with my affiliation with the chamber of commerce. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in in different contexts, but I've heard him say on multiple occasions that, and I'm going to paraphrase this and screw it up, but it's something along the lines of that Cuyahoga Falls is a big little city meaning that it has all the amenities of a big city, large, fairly large tax base, et cetera, so they can do things, they can afford things. But it's also a small city, so whenever you run into the mayor, at the, mm-hmm. it, you may actually run into him at Giant Eagle, and mm-hmm. he, he may know your name, actually. Yep. So, you know, it's it's actually very cool that way. You're going to run into people at the Nat or, you know, the the, the store or downtown or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's so true. The, the com- the commitment to the growth has been very noticeable. Sure. Yeah, that um, that's not lost on me on why this program is, is what it is. You know, it's happened because we have a supportive mayor. We have a super supportive um, chamber of commerce. You know, our chamber of commerce has also come on as a signature sponsor of this to connect us with so many partners that have been awesome. We have an incredibly uh, supportive superintendent and principal at Woodridge that are all about this program happening. You know, the sixth district compact has been amazing to work with and, and make in facilitating this happening for students from other areas so they can be here too. You know, yeah, it's, um, there's definitely a shared vision here that this area is in a period of growth. And yeah. the leaders see that and want to support programs that help to fuel that growth in any way they can. That the you said something earlier about that we want our we want our talent to stay here. Um, I don't know that I've ever thought about that necessarily. I was actually on the scholarship committee. We awarded some some money for the gra- recent graduates or whatever from the chamber, and you know some of the as we were interviewing them and hearing their stories, and you know they were all ridiculous scholars and you know GPAs that I didn't know those numbers were. Uh, possible. How do you get over a four? How's that even, I'm not familiar with this. How does that, how does that happen? But, you know, it was just, it it was incredible. And one of the things that we talked about was, man, I hope these kids are sticking around, you know, even if they're going to school elsewhere, I hope that they're sticking around. And beyond that, not just, we hope they're sticking around, are we giving them a reason to, we can sort of affect that, right? We can sort of have an impact there, are we giving them a reason to? And then what are those reasons? Are we are we instilling in them that this is a great place to live and grow a family and create a business or work at a business, et cetera? Yeah. 
Well, I don't know if we are. I think we are. I certainly hope that we are. You know, from my perspective, it seems like that tide has shifted. When I was in high school, um, you know, it was a while ago, but when I was in high school, everyone left. That, you know, Akron U and Kent were seen as the other high schools. You went off and you did something. And I don't see that's the case anymore. Like something has shifted and young people like it here. You know, they see incredible opportunities here. A lot of them are going to local colleges and universities because, you know, it, it, that stigma has gone. I think Northeast Ohio in general has done a very good job of moving itself into like this new era of growth and development. You know, that's another thing that like has been a driving force behind this is Northeast Ohio, like the greater Cleveland area and then like Columbus area. Those are hotbeds for entrepreneurial growth. There's huge, a, huge. Yeah, there's an enormous network of resources that we, I mean, we barely even touched at this point um, when it comes to entrepreneurial uh, opportunities for our students that are happening just in, you know, just a little north of us or a little south of us. Right. So Ohio, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Ohio's the place to be for sure. I like that. I like that. Good. <laughs> You know, we do have a very interesting downtown as well, as you as you mentioned, the different things that are going on. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't even, you know, I have to think about it. It doesn't always occur to me uh, that just exactly what we do have going on down here. You know, they, you can actually hike a trailhead from the middle of downtown. You can go shopping. You can get on the river. We, we had, I'm looking at some of the folks that have uh, joined and commented and et cetera. TJ from Float the River was on uh, uh, saying hello earlier. You know, okay, so, I mean, okay. Okay. <laughs> you, you can jump on the river there. You, you know, Nadia yeah. actually, yeah. And Nadia said that you were great in her first year. She should know she was there. Let's, can we give a shout out to Nadia for a second? Because Nadia Mullen. Please do. Yeah, Nadia Mullen um, is my right hands and so much more than that. I mean, this program really wouldn't be happening without Nadia Mullen because she has been hired. We had some money in the grant to hire a fellow, which is Mm -hmm. um, a fancy word for an assistant. And uh, she has totally become that like, and so much more. Um, But she works with me every day on the program and she does all the things that I either don't have time to do or don't have patience to do (laughs) I've yeah. learned. I've learned in my life, especially with the development of this pro, um, project, like what I have patience to do and what I don't. And Nadia has um, a well of patience to do the things that I cannot. <laughs> now, Nadia is awesome, yeah. and and I I I know her as well. Um, I'm now going to refer to her as fellow. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, she is fellow. So thank you, thank you. Thank you. For- I need to look that up and see what. Where that originated. Thank crazy. you for that. What wasn't there something like? Isn't there uh, like your man Friday or something? Wasn't that like uh, like your assistant or I don't know? I can't I can't remember. There's fellow and assistant and I don't yeah. I, I don't know. There's all sorts of different terms for that, but I'm calling her fellow. Okay. Yeah. Well, Nadia. Yeah. Funny enough, Nadia was one of my first students when I first started teaching at Cago Falls. With you know, crazy twenty five year old me had no idea what I was doing. She was in my. She was in my first class. So, uh, you know, we've come. We've come full circle. Isn't that crazy? That it, I I love hearing the fact that you're still um, integrated with some of your students from uh, you know earlier from before that you've you've yeah. not just had an impact during that year. 
I mean, you recognize that, right? That, that you've had not just an impact during the time that you've had them, but you've had an impact that's lasted um, forever. I, I think people forget that. If, if nobody's ever had, if so, I feel bad for people that don't that that don't have a teacher in in their brain and in their history and in their past that had an impact on them, because I, I I really don't know how that's possible, you know. The, and yeah. I, I don't get it. I have no idea. Of course, I might be a little biased too. My mother was a teacher for. 30, whatever years. So. Yeah. I, I live that life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not lost on me, Adam, at all. I know there's, um, you stand in a special light in some kids' lives. You know, you can't get them all. You're not the person for every kid, right. but, um, you are for some, and those are, you know, I, I do, I do realize the impact I've made on kids and I realize how I've empowered a lot of them. And I, I've been able to keep in touch with so many, thank goodness for social media. Like I love witnessing their lives. Um, but it's, it's two way street, you know, like that's kind of the thing that keeps you going in education, because if you don't have that, if you can't look and you can't say like, look at, look at this kid and that their life is better because I was a part of it. Mm -hmm. You don't have a reason. You don't have a reason to keep doing the job every day because it's hard it's hard well, and, and you're not doing it for the right reasons at that point then you, you know you're just or, or you're only doing it for a for a check yeah. I, I guess you know you're you're not getting that that additional payment you know that that other currency yeah. you know but money's just one currency so yeah yeah, it, yeah it's it, you know, I've had experiences as well, you know, in training and whatever, you know, not formal teaching settings, but training over the years at sales jobs, et cetera. And I always called it the light bulbs going off. And I loved it. It was the best part of my day was when somebody learned something new and 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 because that unlocked a, a piece of them that they didn't know that they had. Yeah. And it's it, it's incredible. Yeah. And, and teaching is one of those things, those kind of relationships that you get to build up with kids you don't often see it while it's happening. You know, it, it's, it's something that you, it's like, mm. it's like growing a plant, you know, you got to water that plant every single day and you got to take, you got to tend to it and you have to take care of it. And it's oftentimes maybe years later that you'll hear from a student that they'll say like, you, you made my life better, or you made me be able to do this. Or I remember something you said, or, you know, that, that kind of stuff is, it, it's gold to me. It's, it's absolutely the best it's the best feeling as a teacher to know that absolutely <laughs> yeah i've sort of a uh off the topic question you're mm -hmm. you're an extremely busy person um you're putting this whole program together how do you wind down how do you rest how do you recharge <laughs> i don't know i i'm bad at that <laughs> i'm really bad at that well you're an entrepreneur then <laughs> yeah i don't <laughs> yeah, know I, I have the two most amazing kids on the entire planet. I know everybody thinks their kids are amazing, but mine are certifiably the most amazing. <laughs> um, and they're a really awesome reminder of like, you know, life, life goes really fast. Like once I had kids, someone put my life on fast forward and, and I have to prioritize them. Like that is everything that I do in my work is super important to me. But over these last few years, I've had to make a really conscious choice to say, you know, outside of work, nothing else matters except them, you know, and it, it's been tough. Like there is no balance. Anybody who tells you you can balance is a, it's a lie. Balance is a lie. You know, it's, making it it's, not true. it's Absolutely. not true. 
Nope. Every day, you know, I really, I get up very early in the morning so I can have time to do the things I need to do. I work through the day. I come home and from, you know, after school time until my kids go to bed is entirely devoted to them. Like that's what I do to unwind. And, you know, right now in my, at this stage of my life, there's not a lot of time for like the extracurriculars. <laughs> you know, I don't get, right. I don't get a lot of time to do the stuff that I personally enjoy, but it's not, it's okay because I get a lot of time with my kids. And that's really been the blessing of this pandemic is that, you know, since March, I've been working from home and there's some days I want to like throw them out the window and, <laughs> and but you know, I have gotten, don't do that. Yeah. I've got, yeah, it's frowned upon <laughs> Shouldn't throw them out the window, but I've gotten a lot of time with them and I'm grateful for it because that that's what keeps me grounded. And that's my biggest priority is those two little kids. Absolutely. Well, that's the legacy, right? And I, I mean, obviously what you're building here with Entrepreneur has a, the opportunity to be a huge legacy, but really it's, it's about the kids and it's about what they, what they take from us and, and uh, you know, go on and make their lives uh, later on. Of course you got youngins. You can't even think about that just yet. Yeah. They, they grow up into adults. They do. They do. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope when they grow up in adults, they look back at this time and see how much like, what I'm doing here is important and, um, and they, they can do something similar. I, I don't think there's a chance that they won't. I mean, that's sort of just how it goes, right? There's, there's no real manual for, for life. All yeah. you know is what you know. Mm -hmm. And even if you stray and you go make your own mistakes and do dumb things as I did for years. Um, <laughs> you, you eventually come back to to what I would call home, and home isn't necessarily a place. It's it's a feeling and a and a philosophy. And yeah, 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 yeah. They, they they know they know where where and what that is. I hope so. I hope. Yeah, so. for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Hey, tell me, is there a, is there any way for folks that may be listening that are interested for them to still be involved in the entrepreneur program, and how would they do that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're um. Yeah, we're, we still have a lot of opportunity for involvement. We are looking to get every student with a one-to-one -one mentor. So, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you have an interest in working with young people uh, starting this fall, you can just, um, I'm sure Adam will put a link out to the website. In yeah, it's it's entrepreneur.com, right? It's entrepreneuredu.com. Edu Hold on, I, I misspelled it. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. Hold on, I'll, I'll put it on the ticker. Entrepreneuredu.com. I learned something about website development in this whole thing, Adam. You probably knew this, is that to get um, entrepreneur.edu, edu is a, a designation only for um, higher education. So you have to be a college mm -hmm. university to get edu. I didn't know that. But anyway, entrepreneuredu.com is the website. You can sign up there um, and it'll send me a message and then, you know, we'll get in touch with you to get you placed with a student. Um, the commit we've kept the commitment relatively. We've kept entrepreneurs' time in mind when we set up the time commitment. So, mentors will meet with students ten times over the course of the program, and we're still looking for some areas of entrepreneurs to get involved with the curriculum too, to come in and create a video with us and work with the students directly. So, you know, if your listeners want to get involved, they can just go to the website, go to the business partner tab and fill that out and it'll come to me. And then I'll, I will likely be in touch with you in the next you know week or so. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I, I love the mentorship piece. Um, th that's extremely cool that it's not just group mentorship. 
that you're really trying to go for the one-to-one. I, I, I don't understand. Um, I don't think that we value mentorship enough. Mm-hmm. I think the word actually is even off-putting at times to people. And I don't know why that is. Like, why would you not absorb the knowledge of somebody that's been there and done that? And, you know. Yeah, well, I know, you know, everybody that I know that's successful has had a, has had a mentor, whether, you know, it's, it's a formal mentorship like this where it's kind of been created for you. Or right. it happens for you. You know, I had, I've had two amazing mentors when it comes to teaching. One was the person who had my job before me um, at Coggle Falls, the marketing teacher before me, his name's Greg Perry. He's the marketing teacher at Beachwood High School now. Um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and he he really helped me. And I've modeled a lot of what I've done after what I've learned from him. And we're still incredibly close friends. He's an amazing, mm-hmm. amazing educator that I've learned a lot from. But then, you know, that that teacher that I had, I told you about Craig Wargowski. He was he's the art teacher at Coggle Falls High School and worked with me. I couldn't have taught and done what I've done without those two people, you know, saying like, your style is good. Like what you're doing is right. Like here's some help. Here's some guidance. You, you have to have that. Everybody has that. Right. We need to create that intentionally for students uh, in this program, but other places as well. That's, it needs to be an important part of, of bridging the gap between where kids are learning now and what's coming in their future. It's, you know, it's sort of in that same circle or, or in the same thought of, you know, your your circle of friends or the people you spend the most time with, et cetera, sort of defines who you are or be getting, I've also heard it put, you know, being the smartest person in the room or, you know, we'll get in a different room if you're always the smartest person, but this idea of surrounding yourself with the right people and then one or two in particular really should be driving a ship a little bit. And maybe that's why you only got two no's because we all sort of know that and know that we ought to give back because we got, why did you get the two no's? What was the reason? I forgot to ask that. You know, it's funny. Both the people who have told me no, then promptly turn around and said, well, maybe soon, maybe in the future I can do it. You know, um, I think entrepreneurs are really bad at setting up boundaries for themselves and say they say yes to too much and these two people were really they just had you know one had new projects going on and one had just kind of launched a new company and they just didn't want to get involved in something else so so it was a time time thing time commitment yeah yeah Yeah. yep gotcha so well as this evolves i'd love to come back and tell you guys you know how it's going in a year this you know it's all it's all due to launch in august so hopefully it'll go as well as we've all planned. I I hope so. If we don't have any more 5.30 p.m. news conferences or whatever, we we should maybe be okay. If school starts, we'll be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, let's have you let's have you on again in a year. Yeah. And and yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I uh was it everything that you thought that it would be your your first podcast experience? It was great. I was a little nervous. Like I was up in the middle of the night thinking like, I, I got, I should, probably should write some stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I actually just feel like I'm sitting here having a cup of coffee with you, Adam. Just yeah, su- Super easy. Well, good. Then I'm doing my job. Cause that's exactly how it's supposed to be. Well, you're always so easy and fun to talk to. I enjoy it every time. Every time I get to talk to you, it's such a, it's such a delight. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. <laughs> 
Well, I like to end with five questions. Okay. They're sort of rapid fire, just kind of, I'm a little weird. As no, you know. I'm really nervous. <laughs> All right. Brussels sprouts, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. With balsamic vinegar glaze and bacon on them, I could eat those every day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. So good. Some so people good. say no. What is wrong with these sociopaths? Why in the world? I've never met a vegetable I don't like. So <laughs> not a big mushroom, I guess. Is that a vegetable? It's a fungus. Oh. Not a big oh. mushroom guy. I love mushrooms. They kind of weird me out. They taste like a field and dirt. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Question two, ham and pineapple. Is that appropriate on a pizza or not? Okay, I would say no, but there's um, a franchise, a pizza franchise in the South called Mellow Mushroom, which mm-hmm. I went to the original one. The original Mellow Mushroom is in Auburn, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia. Where's Auburn? Where's Auburn University? Georgia? Georgia. Yeah, okay, Auburn, Georgia, um, when I was in college, and I went to the original Mellow Mushroom. Now they're all over the South. It's a big, it's a big um, pizza chain. what it was like? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is one in Westlake and there's one in Columbus. Okay. And they have a pizza called Maui Wowie, which is not on their menu. It's one of their like secret pizzas. So if you ever go to Mellow Mushroom, ask for the Maui Wowie. It's got pesto, bacon, ham, pineapple, and banana peppers on it. And it's delicious. That sounds delicious. So you said no to ham and pineapple, but that really sounded like a yes. It's the only thing that ham and pineapple is acceptable on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I think I already know the answer to this one, but mountains or the beach? The beach. The beach. Yeah, my family, we um, we are beach people. We go to Siesta Key, which is a Sarasota beach twice a year. We spend, we like to spend the month of June there um, this year not possible, but, um, and then we spent Christmas in Siesta Key, uh, which oh, that's cool. Awesome. And when I was a kid, uh, you mentioned this at the beginning, when I was a little kid, we used to go to Florida every year. My parents would take us to West Palm beach mm-hmm. and, um, we would, this is my entrepreneurial beginning is, um, my brother and sister and I, we'd stayed at the same place every year. It was called the beach comer. It was like this little fifties Florida hotel that was pink. Yes. Yeah. It was a pink hotel. It was condos, not a hotel, but it was all one level condos. And we would go out to the beach and pick shells. And then we bring them up to this like gazebo, like picnic gazebo, right in like the entrance of our ho- of our little condo resort. And we'd lay them out and price them. So you could get small shells for a penny. You could get medium shells for like 25 cents. And yeah. The big shells were like a dollar. And Adam, people would people would pay us for shells that they could walk across the bridge and, and buy. But well, of course they would. I'm sure you three were super cute with your little penny shells. And, yeah. and how could you not? <laughs> so that's how we all became entrepreneurs is selling seashells. That's uh, awesome. So yeah, okay. I'm a beach, I'm a beach person through and through. The fifties, the fifties hotel or condos thing. I, I totally understand it. And so I, I'm both, I love beaches and the, and the mountains. We, we, uh, <laughs> My family would would meet at Myrtle Beach at least once a year, mm-hmm. always in the summer. My mom's side of the family. So my aunt and uncle, they were out of Savannah and my cousin uh, would come up. And then my my grandparents were in uh, the original Sun City out in uh, Arizona, outside of Phoenix. And so we would all meet at this little, it's called the Dunes Village. And it was a little horseshoe, two levels horseshoe. It's now been torn down and is like a thousand rooms or something. 
you know, Skyrise, but mm-hmm. fond memories of that because it was it was this nice little piece of heaven because you know that no one that beach was super not crowded because you only had like a a hundred people staying on staying on the property there. So yeah. I have fond memories of the beach as well. Yeah. That was back when Myrtle Beach was cool. Oh, it's Myrtle Beach is so cool. It's it's so cool. Okay. <laughs> you know, we spend Christmas at Siesta Key. And I'll tell you, like, um, I like to get away at Christmas because it's the, as a teacher, it's the only time of year off that, like, you know, we don't have the same spring breaks all the time. Like, my family's time off school doesn't always align up on spring break. But right. Christmas break, it usually does. And that's the only time where we can take a vacation throughout the school year. And so we, um, a few years ago, started taking our kids down to Siesta Key. And that's a good place to spend Christmas. You know, you, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. You just, you know, ride bikes and hunt for shells. And it's 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 a really good place to be at the holidays. We, we would sort of do the same thing. Very, We would meet a second time over the holidays. Uh, the family would, and we would sort of rotate between Arizona sometimes mm-hmm. or Savannah because it was driving distance or Ohio. Um, everyone would come there. And if we happened to do Savannah, we would generally drive up to Myrtle beach and do an overnight and go to our favorite restaurant and whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we would very often do that over the holidays as well. Yeah. Love the beach. I do too. I like the mountains too though. All right. Books yeah. or movies? Um, books. I'm a, I'm a reader. I love to read. I wish I had more time for it. Um, you know, since my children have been born and this journey started, I don't get a lot of time to read. So I do, I do love books. That's, that's my thing. But by default now, I, I tend to, I tend to binge watch shows because by the end of the day, I'm kind of tired. So it's easier to just turn on something that doesn't take any manpower. So. I, I agree. The, the whole binge watching, I'm spoiled now. Uh, if I can't watch a whole season of something, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I know, I know. Technology is going to be the death of us all, I swear. Uh, but I'll stick by books as long as I can because books are, you know, there's nothing better than falling into a good book. I love historical fiction. I love reading books that are set in like uh, a different era, especially like around like the World War II era. I'm a huge fan of of um, Penn Follett, who's a writer that he writes these like epic novels of of things that take place over centuries of time. So that's my favorite. That's my favorite genre of books. What was the what? There was a Stephen King historical fiction that was around like Kennedy's assassination, mm. and they turned it into a miniseries with. Um, was it James Franco? It's on Hulu or yeah. Netflix. Hulu, I think. Uh, like 19, whatever year Kennedy was shot. That's the name of the series. It's 1964. Oh, interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's super interesting. And it's Stephen King, so it's weird, but it's not like horror at all. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Stephen King wrote Green Mile also. And I believe Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. So he doesn't just write horror. It, it, yeah, you'd probably enjoy that if you like historical fiction. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's kind of cool. I always like Quantum Leap. That's not a book, <laughs> but I always like that. I'm I'm just I'm watching right now The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, and that my wife watches that. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is that is that about to be true? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Is it about to not be historical fiction? It is the most riveting and disturbing show at the same time. Like I yeah. can't stop watching it, but it's yeah. you know, yeah. less of your brain. But yeah, that's what I'm watching right now. 
That's what I'm watching. Oh right. man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, that one's out there for it sure. Is. My wife loves it. I haven't gotten into it. Yeah. Last question. What's okay. your favorite sandwich? My favorite sandwich. Oh, definitely. Um, digital sandwich is my. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, seriously. What's your favorite sandwich? Um, a BLT. Um, you know, my mom, I don't know. My mom loves BLTs. My whole family loves BLTs, but I, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, my favorite meal, probably to this day, if I had to pick only one thing to eat, it would be a BLT with Hellman's, a fresh Ohio tomato. And gotta that, be Hellman's. I gotta that be other Hellman's. stuff, that other stuff isn't mayonnaise. It's <laughs> no, salad dressing. It's not mayonnaise. I, it's fine on other things, but on a BLT, you gotta have Hellman's. And, gotta have um, Hellman's. And then um, a side of Kraft macaroni and cheese is is that is lunch. That's my childhood lunch. Yeah, I, there, there's there's some history there. I'm um, I'm thinking. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's that sounds like a like a snow day lunch or something. That's a summer. That's a summer lunch for sure. With yeah. the a fresh Ohio. <clears throat> excuse me, Ohio. Oh, the fresh. Yeah, I would say <laughs> yeah. a Marietta tomato. Cause I'm from Southern yes. Ohio. Marietta tomatoes are a thing. They are. I, I, yeah. They are. They're the first good tomatoes we get up here in the summers from Marietta. Yeah. I was actually born in Marietta. That's where I'm from. That, that right. area. Ohio river. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The Ohio Valley. Yeah. That's a man. Oh man. That's a place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make it back uh, much anymore. I still have uh, some cousins and aunts and uncles down there. Uh, but my grandmother, uh, the, the old homestead, the old farm, yeah. she passed away uh, a year and a half ago. So we don't we don't make it down like we used to. But uh, yeah, the Ohio Valley and Marietta. I always people were like, "Where are you from?" And I'm like, "Are you familiar with Wheeling?" They're like, "Yes." Are you familiar with Marietta? And I'm like, "Yes." Or they're like, "Yes." And I'm like, "Well, I'm from neither, not close to either one of those, but some, <laughs> but somewhere in the middle." <laughs> you know, it's always where the green bridge is. You cross out of Ohio, we're back into Ohio. At, uh, yeah, what Parkersburg or, or whatever? Yeah, when you drive down seventy-seven, yeah, you cross the Green Bridge into West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marietta, right? Uh, I I don't think you actually. Yeah, you cross over from Parkersburg into or from Marietta into Parkersburg, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So. I think so. That sounds that sounds right. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I, I should know that. Um, <laughs> my parents live in Hilton Head, so I still make that trip. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a good place to visit. Yeah, I, I wish I could go visit them now. I would I would like to. Yeah, <laughs> it's not happening anytime soon though. So yeah, twenty twenty one is going to be better. It will be. Will be. It will be. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, hey, I really, really, really appreciate you coming on. And as always, I just have a great time. Uh, I always have a good time chatting with you. Me and, too. Uh, Likewise. Thank, thank you for having me. I really, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the program and to, to, to well, share all of this with everyone. Yeah. It's something that, that I think is so unique and I really believe in and, you know, obviously so do other people with the support that you're getting from the city and the chamber and all the entrepreneurs. It's just, I, it really, I love the fact that, that, that we're being a little forward thinking with how, workforce and things are going to change and yeah. trying to give our kids a little, uh, a little leg up on that. I love it. Yeah. 
absolutely. It's going to be, it's, it's going to make the end of 2020. Awesome. Very good. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, thanks right, for friends. tuning into the secret ingredient live cast from digital sandwich, where we believe that everyone has a story behind the story. And that is where the secret ingredient lives. We want to thank Mrs. Emily Knight for coming on and sharing her secret sauce with us, sharing her stories and, this awesome impact that she's about to make on our community here in Cuyahoga Falls. So thanks again for coming on and look forward to our next episode. All right. Thanks, Adam. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.